بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا رسول الله All praises are due to Allah the creator, the cherisher and the sustainer of this universe and may his peace and blessings be upon his noble prophet Muhammad and his descendants and his followers and his companions, dear respected brothers and sisters Jazakum Allah khairan Today we will take the 10th and final session in reflections on Surat An-Nur. Last time we finished uh, verse number 57. (coughs) And you remember these verses were about the promise of Allah to the believers who have true faith that he will make them successors to the earth, to the land. And it spoke uh, about this very important issue. Today's verse, number 58, the one following that verse says, ثلاث مرات من قبل صلاة الفجر وحين تضعون ثيابكم من الظهيرة ومن بعد صلاة العشاء ثلاث عورات لكم ليس عليكم ولا عليهم جناح بعدهن طوافون عليكم بعضكم على بعض كذلك يبين الله لكم الآيات والله عليم حكيم Believers, your slaves and any who have not yet reached puberty should ask your permission to come in at three times of the day before dawn prayer, before Fajr. When you lay your garments aside in the midday heat and after the evening prayer, after Isha, these are your three times of privacy. At other times, there is no blame on you or them if you move around each other freely. In this way, God makes messages clear God is all-knowing, all-wise. The verse is clear, telling you that the people who work for you at home, at that time those were the slaves. Now there are helpers. And the kids who did not reach puberty should ask permission before they enter your bedrooms or where you you, uh, are with your uh, wives at the times when people take off their clothes and rest. And it's telling us it's the time before Fajr and the time after Isha and during the Qaylula or when people take a nap or a rest uh, during the midday. And the verse ends by, in this way God makes messages clear, God is all-knowing, all-wise. I will reflect upon this verse and the one next together. The next verse, number 59, says, 
وإذا بلغ الأطفال منكم الحلم فليستأذنوا كما استأذن الذين من قبلهم كذلك يبين الله لكم آياته والله عليم حكيم When your children reach puberty they should always ask your permission to enter not only during these three times always ask your permission to enter like their elders do this is how god makes his messages clear to you god is all-knowing all wise so when the kids are become reach puberty when they grow up they have always to ask permission like the elders do like the other kids did when they reached puberty too and then the verse ends by this is how God makes his messages clear to you. God is all-knowing, all-wise. Let's reflect. Let's reflect. What are we going to reflect upon? The verses are very clear. Just instructions or etiquettes or sexual discipline telling us how to educate our children before puberty, after puberty, and we deal with the helpers who work at home, that they should take permission before they enter the door, enter into bedrooms like that. But no. When I looked at the ending of each verse, I found it amazing. Verse number 58 ends like that. كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمُ الْآيَاتِ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ in this way, God makes messages clear. God is all-knowing, all-wise. The next one says, ends like that, This is how God makes his messages clear to you. God is all-knowing, all-wise. Subhanallah. Exactly the same letter by letter except for one letter. Ayatihi. And in the first one, Al-Ayat. Verse number 58, it says, This is how Allah makes clear messages for you. And the next one, this is how Allah makes clear His messages. We have to stop and reflect why Allah is repeating the same thing twice here. There must be, and Allah says, Wallahu hakim. Allah is the all-knowing, all-wise. So there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge in this. It cannot be just some etiquettes or halal and haram. It's not that simple. It's something so profound. Okay, how can we find it? How can we find the hidden message? There's a hidden message. I feel when Allah ends the two verses like that, there's a hidden message targeting your, your heart. It seems very straightforward instructions, but it's not that simple. Look at the context. Look at the verses before them. They were about the promise of Allah to the Muslims. If they have true belief, true faith, strong faith in their heart that they will be Allah will give them victory and they will be successors to the land. And then next, Allah talks about these instructions. Entering bedrooms, when you take off your clothes. This is, this is discussing what? What kind of human characteristic is this discussing? 
الحياء modesty and the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said in a very famous and authentic hadith that iman is 70 something elements one of the elements of iman is modesty so the verses before were giving the promise to the believers who have true belief in their heart to be successful and to be victorious and to be khulafa and this one talks about haya which means not even this should be missed don't think that iman is all about praying and fasting no everything in your life you are 24/7 muslim You're not a Muslim on the prayer rug or in the, on the mosque. No, that's not, this is not acceptable. Hypocrites are Muslims in the mosque and on the prayer rugs, but Muslims are 24-7 Muslims. So when we become true Muslims, we will be given victory. And not even these little things that we seem little for us, they are not little. When a Muslim prays and fasts, but he doesn't have modesty, he takes off his clothes and he walks naked in front of people, even at home, that's not allowed. That's not allowed. This one does not deserve to be victorious. We have to reflect on every single letter in this book. That's not, no, this book is not like any book. This book is a miracle in itself. The difference between <coughs> Prophet Muhammad's message and all the messages that came before him with the other prophets is that the other prophets had physical miracles. In Islam, no physical miracles. You'll tell me, no, there are. The prophet uh, had the pebbles making tasbih in his hand. That's not a miracle. This is something outstanding, but not a miracle. Miracle in Arabic is mu'jiza. Mu'jiz means something that makes the opponents stunned and unable to argue with it. So the mu'jiza is something outstanding that a prophet does in front of the opponents, the unbelievers, to make them stunned and unable to argue. But when the pebbles made tasbih in the hands of the prophet, that was in the presence of the sahaba. It's something outstanding. But Islam is, it is actually, the message of the Prophet is the last and final message. It cannot depend on physical miracles. Physical miracles are hujjah, a plea against those who saw it with their eyes. And few generations later who will hear it from their parents and their forefathers. And that's it. No one will believe in Allah today because Prophet Musa threw his stick and it turned into a serpent. Khalas, that was 3,000 years ago. So as a physical miracle, it doesn't affect anyone now when he hears about it. No one will believe in Allah now because Jesus cured someone lame or, or, or a blind. This will not work now. So the last and final message needs an everlasting miracle that exists till the end of time. A miracle that doesn't need a prophet to be performed. It is still working even if the prophet died. This is the Quran. The Quran stunned 
the poets, the masters of language, the Arabic language, not because it's eloquent, that's a big mistake. Not because of the eloquence and the balagha. There are so many poetry which is eloquent and has balagha. But when you he see the poets, when they heard it, they were stunned. Stunned. Why? Because it was a new linguistic fabric. It's not just eloquent. It's a new fabric. It's something, there's nothing like it before. We got used to listening to it. But at that time, before there were any Quran, when people heard the Quran, they were stunned. What's that? What is being told? That's not normal. Language is, or Arabic is, either poetry or nathr, prose. That was before the Quran. Now, when we speak about the language, the Arabic language, we say the Arabic language is of three different types. Poetry, nathr, prose, and Quran. That's a new fabric. A new fabric of the language itself. It's, it's stunning. We should not just pass like that by the verses. Take your time. Take your time in understanding the words of Allah. Take your time. Wallahi, we are not in a hurry. Forget about, I have to finish quickly. Ramadan is about to start. Five khatmas, seven khatmas, and we, are, we will see races. Alhamdulillah. I told you, and I'm, I, I, I believe I did my duty in front of Allah. I told you, even when Ramadan starts, Take your time and read and reflect. <coughs> the verse next. Uh, we're still in the verse number 59. When your children reach puberty, they should always ask your permission to enter like their elders do. This is how God makes his messages. Why in this verse Allah said his messages and in the one before it said this is how Allah makes the messages clear to you. Both are his messages. But here it's like Allah is giving the, this message more importance, more focus. What is the difference between this verse and the one before? The one before talks about helpers who work at home or slaves and the uh, kids uh, who are under the age of puberty that they should take, uh, uh, per make, uh, take permission. This is about hayat and so on. But this one talks about sexual education. وَإِذَا بَلَغَ الْأَطْفَالُ مِنْكُمُ الْحُلُمَ فَلْيَسْتَأْذِنُوا كَمَا اسْتَأْذَنَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ When your children reach puberty, they should always ask your permission to enter like their elders do. It's like, you see here, generations and sexual education, every age has its, uh, its, its uh, level of this education. By the way, sexual education starts from the age of six months. When you are changing the diapers for your baby, you, when he's like six months, you start talking to him. No one does that except mommy and daddy. No one sees this except mommy and daddy. You start growing modesty and haya in him or in her. 
No one, not in school, nowhere. This is something very important. Hijab is a part of sexual education. Before puberty, the kids need to be told what they are, what is about to happen to them physically, not to be like shocked with these changes. And mommy and daddy are uh, shy to speak to them. No, you have to educate them and tell them what is about to happen soon. Before marriage, there's another type of sexual education. So in Islam, there's a lot about sexual education. When Allah spoke about sexual education, he said his messages. Ayatihi. Actually, the word ayat does not only mean message. It also means miracles. Ayat, miracle. And when Allah, by the way, spoke about marriage in Surah Al-Rum, uh, the verse says, uh, who can remind me with the verses of marriage in Surah Al-Rum? I always forget things when I need it, but uh, uh, and among his miracles that he created for you, mates from among yourselves, so that you may dwell in tranquility with them. But when he mentioned this, he mentioned it in a context of miracles. From his miracles that you sleep at night. And from among his miracles, the uh, diversity of your languages and your colors. And from his miracles, the creation of heavens and earth. So Allah mentioned the relationship between the husband and the wife in a context of miracles. It is a miracle. Yes, Adam without a father is a miracle. Jesus without a mother, uh, I'm sorry, Adam without a mother is a miracle. Uh, uh, Adam without a father or a mother is a miracle. Jesus without a father is a miracle. But also every one of us is a miracle. SubhanAllah. So Allah spoke and put a lot of light, shed light on this importance of teaching the children, educating the children, disciplining our children. Okay, Not to sit on anybody's lap, not even a relative. Either daddy or mommy, and don't even do that. Just, they need to understand that they should not go with anyone. Yeah, we, we make a big mistake by telling our children, you should always Listen to those who are elders. You should always listen to the elders. You should always say, okay, father, to anyone who is older than you. That's not right. It's not true. The one who will give him a cigarette is elder than him. Maybe one year or two years, but you programmed him to submit. Don't. We want him to learn how to say no when it's something wrong, even to someone elder than him. Elders today are not that wise. Not every elder is wise, and we all know that. We need to be practical. We need to be clever. <coughs> Verse number 60. <laughs> Okay, 
No blame will be attached to elderly women who are not hoping for sex. If they take off their outer garments without flaunting their charms, but it is preferable for them not to do this. God is all hearing, all seeing. Subhanallah. You see, these verses, you feel like these topics were touched upon in the same surah before. You remember just before the, the in the first half of the surah, I always look at Surah Al-Nur as like two halves. In the middle is the verse of the light. Allahu Nuru Samawati Wal Ard. So just before the verse of the light, there were also verses talking about etiquettes, sexual etiquettes, about uh, uh, taking permission, anyone should take permission before entering a house. And before entering public places, we don't need to take permission. And then we got two verses that we spoke about now, speaking particularly about kids and helpers and stuff like that. So it's like, again, Allah is touching upon the same topic, but with more details or like completing the topic. Again, there is also a verse now that talks about hijab and awrah, <coughs> like the verse that came before, I think number 35 or 34. <coughs> so there's a verse that talked about hijab in the middle of the surah. And again, now that verse is talking about elderly women who do not hope for intimate relationship anymore. They, it's no problem if they like take off their outer garments, take, yani, take it more easy with their hijab. Okay. But this actually proves that there's a wisdom behind the hijab. That the hijab mainly was to neutralize the sexual dimension of the woman when she is around as a citizen dealing with a merchant, dealing with uh, 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 in work with someone, going to an office, the sexual dimension should be neutralized. How can I know that from this verse? That women whom their sexual dimension is already neutralized by age, it's no problem to take it easy with their hijab. And then Allah says, but it's better if they don't. Still. But this means that, yes, there's a lot of wisdom behind the hijab. And we spoke about this a lot uh, in the first time, that men have been using women as tools of enjoyment since time immemorial. When a man is having depression, he goes to a cafe, he buys a drink, and he sits by the window to watch women. After two hours, sipping his cold drink, he feels good, and he goes home. He's using the women who walk in the streets for his own enjoyment. The verses of hijab are telling women, enough is enough. Cover up, you are not for public use. They're not going to use you like that. You are more important than that. You have a better role than that. Amazing. <clears throat> Verse number 61. 
ليس على الأعمى حرج ولا على الأعرج حرج ولا على المريض حرج ولا على أنفسكم أن تأكلوا من بيوتكم أن تأكلوا من بيوتكم أو بيوت آبائكم أو بيوت أمهاتكم أو بيوت إخوانكم أو بيوت أخواتكم أو بيوت أعمامكم أو بيوت عماتكم أو بيوت أخوالكم أو بيوت خالاتكم أو ما ملكتم مفاتحه أو صديقكم ليس عليكم جناح أن تأكلوا جميعا أو أشتاتا فإذا دخلتم بيوتا فسلموا على أنفسكم تحية من عند الله تحية من عند الله مباركة طيبة كذلك يبين الله لكم الآيات لعلكم تعقلون No blame will be attached to the blind, the lame, the sick, whether you eat in your own houses or those of your fathers, your mothers, your brothers, your sisters, your paternal uncles, your paternal aunts, your maternal uncles, your maternal aunts, houses you have the keys for or any of your friends' houses, you will not be blamed. You will not be blamed whether you eat in company or separately. When you enter any house, greet yourselves with a greeting of blessing and goodness as enjoined by God. This is how God makes messages clear to you so that you may understand. <clears throat> how can we reflect on this? Very clear. There is no blame on a blind person or a lame person or a sick person or any person if he eats in the house of a friend or a father or an uncle or an aunt. No. The verse says there are messages, clear messages for those who understand, which means that this, this came to deal with some misunderstanding that can happen. What misunderstanding? The verses before are dealing with which human characteristic? What did we say? Al-haya, modesty. So the verse, this verse comes like the one before the, the, the khalas, in fact, only two more verses and we will end the surah. So the surah is talking a lot about modesty, modesty, modesty. It's like this verse is making some balance. Don't make your modesty make you shy from accepting invitations and going to eat in people's houses and your friends' houses. No, we don't mean that. You should be balanced. It's okay to go and eat in your friends' houses and if you are even, if, if you're blind or lame, eat in anybody's house. When someone tells you, come here to eat with me, you go. But when you, because you, you cannot make money, you can't make, uh, you, 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 you can't afford to, to buy yourself things and stuff like that. But if you are like, uh, you're not really sick or lame or blind, you have no problem to accept invitations from your friends, from your relatives. And the verse says, and there is no blame on you when you eat in company or separately. It's like encouraging us to eat in company. Yes. 
this religion is religion of jama'ah. We should have good social relationships. We should not just meet in the mosque. When we go out, every three or four of us should go and eat somewhere, sit together. Eating together brings heart closer to each other. This is what the scholar said, that when people sit and eat together from the same plate, the best thing is not to order something and order for everyone. No, you know, the old tradition is to have one plate and everybody is eating from it. And the Prophet taught us the etiquettes. Everyone will eat <coughs> exactly from what's in front of him. Except if it's meat or chicken, you can take something from here and there because maybe you don't eat the breast, you like the thigh, you can do that. But you should, everyone, if we can like eat together a lot, this brings the heart, it, this attunes the hearts. See, very tiny details, but Allah speaks about it, especially when it's about social relationships. You remember in the verse of the debts, the longest verse of the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah, it speaks about when we get into financial agreement, we should bring uh, uh, witnesses and what kind of witnesses and stuff like that. It's a, it's a long verse full of details. One of the details is we should get a scribe to write the contract between us. And who will dictate the scribe what to write? The borrower but not the lender. Because if the lender dictates the scribe and tells him, uh, if I'm the lender and Brother Firdaus is the borrower, mm -hmm. if I tell the scribe, please write that Firdaus should pay me all my money on the 15th of August, he would feel like, what's wrong with this guy? Why does he talk with this tone? I'm intending to return back his money. So the Quran says the borrower should dictate. I'm the lender, I'll be like, shy like that and he will tell him write down that I should pay father all his money by the 15th of August and I say it's okay it's okay See, only very tight even those tiny details Allah cares about because it's about relationships between Muslims why do we need to pray five times in the mosque together to see each other this is the religion of jama'ah we pray together five times, so you see your neighbors five times. And the sunnah is that small mosques should be closed in Jumu'ah. And only the big mosque of the town should be open, so that all the people of the town should meet on weekly basis. You meet your friend, your neighbors five times a day, and you meet the people of the town once weekly. And the sunnah is that in Eid, all the mosques, big mosques, small mosques should be closed and everybody goes out and pray in the desert or in Al-Khala, in a very, uh, uh, in the open air. Why? So that the people of the city should meet an annual meeting or twice a year. And all the Muslims of the world will have one general assembly every year in Mecca. And it is your duty to be a delegate once in your life participate in this. This is the religion of the Jama'ah. Jama'ah. And this verse even says, and when you enter these houses to eat, greet yourselves. Doesn't say greet the others. It's not the others. You are myself. Greet yourselves. 
even when you enter your own house and it's empty, say, Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillah salaheen. Peace be upon me. Yes. Spread peace. Afshu salama baynakum. Spread peace among you. <coughs> the verse next. إنما المؤمنون الذين آمنوا بالله ورسوله وإذا كانوا معه على أمر جامع لم يذهبوا حتى يستأذنوا إن الذين يستأذنونك أولئك الذين يؤمنون بالله ورسوله فإذا استأذنوك لبعض شأنهم فأذن لمن شئت منهم فأذن لمن شئت منهم واستغفر لهم الله إن الله غفور رحيم. Listen very carefully to the meanings. The true believers are those who believe in God and His messengers. His messenger. Understood. Who when they are gathered with Him on a communal matter, do not depart until they have asked his permission. Those who have asked, those who ask your permission, Prophet, are the ones who truly believe in God and his messenger. When they ask your permission to attend to their private affairs, allow whoever you see fit and ask God to forgive them. When the Prophet wants all the Muslims to go out with him to march to a Ghazwa or to be with him for a consultation. And there are some people who ask permission. The Allah says that those who ask your permission are the true believers. Allow them, give them permission to go as long as you see they fit. Amazing. This sounds exactly opposite to a verse in Surah At-Tawbah. Listen to the verse of Surah At-Tawbah. God, it says, God forgive you, Prophet. May Allah forgive you, Prophet. Why did you give them permission to stay at home before it had be become clear to you which of them spoke the truth and which were liars? Those who have faith in God and, and the last day do not ask your permission to be exempted from struggle with their possessions and their persons. God knows exactly who is mindful of him. Only those who do not have faith in God and the last day ask your permission to stay at home. It, it, it's, it's like exactly the opposite. Listen to it in Arabic. In Surah At-Tawbah, verses 43, 44, and 45. <laughs> حتى يتبين لك الذين صدقوا وتعلم الكاذبين لا يستأذنك الذين يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر أن يجاهدوا بأموالهم وأنفسهم والله عليم بالمتقين إنما يستأذنك الذين لا يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر وارتابت قلوبهم فهم في ريبهم يترددون Amazing One verse says Those who ask your permission before they leave you are those who have faith in God And the other one says Those who ask your permission do not have faith in God. The same action. And those are praised for, and those are actually um, 
uh, criticized for. Those the Prophet is blamed for giving them permission, and those the Prophet is told, give them permission. <laughs> it's the same deed. So it's about what? It's about the intention. The same deed, same action, can be halal and haram, can be marriage or zina. Same action. Dealing with money can be riba or sale or trade. Same action. Very subtle differences between halal and haram. Be very careful. And mainly it's about the intentions. What is your intention? Umar ibn al-Khattab asked permission, by the way, not to go out in a ghazwa. And the, Allah told the Prophet, give him permission if he has, and he, he had a real issue that was putting pressure on him. Uthman ibn Affan asked permission not to go out for a ghazwa because he had an ill uh, wife. So the issue is there are people who are true, tr truly they have problems. And Allah addresses this. And Allah tells us to be flexible with each other when people are having issues. But there are people who are hypocrites. So you see, this is the same, the hypocrites, of course, we know what they did in Surah Tawbah. It's, it's Surah, Surah Tawbah speaks about a very important ghazwa, a very important battle, even though no fight happened in this battle, the battle of Tabuk. No fight happened. The Muslim did not meet any enemy, but it's one of the most important battles. And Surah Tawbah is one of the most important surahs that talk about hypocrisy. You see, in uh, Surah Tawbah is like either the last surah or the one before the last. And Surah An-Nur is like number 100. So both of them are Medinan Quran. You know, in Mecca, 86 surahs descended on the Prophet. And in Medina, 28. Okay? But the surahs of Mecca, Meccan Quran, deals with aqidah and the stories of those who came before us and the stories of the messengers. In the Medinan Quran, the 28 surahs that descended in Medina, deals with do's and don'ts, halal and haram, do and not do, and, and so on. And hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. <coughs> to reflect on this, <coughs> be careful with your intentions when you do something. Two rak'as can get you to paradise forever, eternally, or to hellfire. In the worst place in hellfire, below all the unbelievers. Allah says that the munafiqeen, the hypocrites, are in the lowest part of hellfire. Two rak'ahs. I can go to pray two rak'ahs for the sake of Allah. Or I go to a mosque because I want to establish my prayer in jama'ah. Or I go to a mosque because there's a businessman in this mosque whom I'm going to visit his company tomorrow, trying to sell or to sign a contract with him. And I want, when I go there, then he sees me and says, why did I see you? Do you go to East London Mosque? Oh, yeah, Sheikh, I always go to East London Mosque. MashaAllah, okay. Yeah, give, me, give me your contract. I will buy from you, not from uh, Sony or Panasonic. See? Those are, those are not. This is not right. 
Be very careful with your intention. Inna Allah la yanduru ila suwarikum wa la ajsamikum. The Prophet said, Allah does not look at your bodies or appearances, but he scans your hearts and looks into your deeds. Your deed should be halal and with good intention. But if your deed is halal with bad intention, you're in trouble. Be careful. Verse number 63. Oh, we are about to finish. لا تجعلوا دعاء الرسول بينكم كدعاء بعضكم بعضا قد يعلم الله الذين يتسللون منكم لواذا فليحذر الذين يخالفون عن أمره أن تصيبهم فتنة أو يصيبهم عذاب أليم Verse number 63 says people do not regard the messenger's summons to you like one of you summoning another. It can also mean, do not summon him, the messenger, like you summon one another. We will, we will explain this. God is well aware of those of you who steal away surreptitious. I don't know what's that. Okay, those who sneak their way out. Those who... Uh, escape from him. And those who go against his order should beware lest a trial afflict them or they receive a painful punishment. Can you read this word? What's that? Surreptitiously? Surreptitiously? Okay, I'm not born in, in England. Anyway. Okay, surreptitiously. And should rehearse with you actually before my lessons, inshallah. I'll give you a gift after I finish, inshallah. <clears throat> actually not, because actually it didn't help me when it was time to do that. That was even more embarrassing yet. Anyway, uh, do not regard the messenger's summons to you like one of you summoning another. See, all, see the, the, the respect to the messenger of Allah. When the messenger calls you, you should immediately respond. You know what? You can even, if you are in salah, you can end your salah. Because the messenger is calling you. This hukm in fiqh. You know what? You know who else? You can end your salah for their, your parents. If your parents call you, you can end your salah. Of course, the jumhur, the, the, most of the scholars say, if they are calling you because they are like in trouble. Someone is choking or something, okay? But the Imam Shafi'i also has an opinion that end your salah if one of your parents is, uh, is, is calling you. You never know what's, what's happening or what does he need, okay? But there's another also, um, the other side, yeah, because the, the, the wording in Arabic can accept two meanings. The other one is, do not summon the messenger like you summon one another. You cannot call the prophet Muhammad. You cannot do that. You have to call him with his title or nickname. Abel Qasim. Prophet of Allah. Messenger of Allah. Like that. You need to give him respect. You cannot call him by his name. Okay? 
So don't abuse his humbleness. He used to humble himself and sit with the poor and eat with them and stuff like that, but people should not abuse. So the Quran is coming here telling, warning Muslims from abusing the humbleness of the Prophet And the verse continues, and those who go against his order should beware lest a trial afflict them or they receive a painful punishment. That is a painful punishment if we uh, go against the sunnah of the Prophet. It's the sunnah of the Prophet. We should follow the sunnah of the Prophet. His order, every single word he said should be understood. Some of his orders are legislative and some of what he did or said may not be actually an order but anyway we need to learn how to deal with the sunnah of the prophet actually i loved it here because i saw some brothers in this mosque uh, carrying a book lately called it's actually one of the best books about the sunnah it's called how to deal with the sunnah by sheikh it's an amazing book that tells you how to understand the hadith. For example, there's a hadith of the Prophet that says, As-siwak mataratun lil-fam mardatun lil-rab. The siwak is, or in the siwak, there is a cleanliness of the mouth and a pleasure for Allah. It pleases Allah. So what is the sunnah here? What is the sunnah that the Prophet is, is, is telling us to, to stick with? No, not the siwak. It is cleaning your mouth. What is the tool? The siwak. What is the goal? To please Allah. So if you take the siwak itself as the sunnah, and you leave to, uh, you go to study somewhere where there's no siwaks, for four years, and then you lose your siwak after two months, you don't have to clean your mouth. The sunnah is the siwak. No, the sunnah is cleaning your mouth. That's why Abu Hanifa says, at-tasawwuk, which means the, uh, the at-tasawwuk, or no, the word at-tasawwuk comes from the word siwak itself. So he said, the, the action of using the siwak, at-tasawwuk, happens with the siwak or a toothpick, or your fingers, or a piece of cloth, which means the most important thing is to clean your mouth. So that's, that's, that's the beauty of the explanation of scholars like Sheikh Qaradawi when it comes to how to deal with the Quran or how to deal with the Sunnah. They are very important books. Very important books, actually. Um, again, and those who go against his sunnah, his order, should beware lest a trial afflicts them. Wallahi, most of the fitan and the tri tribulation that we face is because we violate the sunnah of the Prophet You can save yourself from becoming a hypocrite by following the sunnah of the Prophet and of course the Quran before the sunnah. The sunnah explains the Quran. 
actually one of the great scholars of the Islamic movement, said that the source is the Quran and Sunnah. He said, he did not say the two sources. He said the source. Sheikh Hassan al-Banna said, the Quran and the Sunnah are the source. The one source. It, there, you cannot detach one from another. Last verse. أَلَا إِنَّ لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ قَدْ يَعْلَمُ مَا أَنْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ وَيَوْمَ يُرْجَعُونَ إِلَيْهِ فَيُنَبِّئُهُمْ بِمَا عَمِلُوا وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٌ Everything in the heavens and earth belongs to God. He knows what state you are in. On the day when all are returned to him, he will tell them everything he have done. God has full knowledge of everything. To reflect upon this, put it next to the very first verse of the surah. Suratun anzalnaha wa faradnaha wa anzalna fiha ayatin bayinatin la'allakum tathakkaroon. It says a surah that we have descended and we have obligated the very ver first verse and we have obligated and we have descended in it verses that are so or, or clear messages so that you may remember look at the last verse everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to god here suratun anzalnaha a surah that we have descended Descended between what? The heavens and the earth. Mentioned in the last verse. The surah was descended between the heavens and the earth. Continue the first verse. And we have obligated. When Allah obligates something, people will be either obedient or non-obedient. The last verse says, Allah knows the state that you are in. Either obedient or unobedient. وَأَنزَلْنَا فِيهَا آيَاتٍ بَيِّنَاتٍ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ And we have descended in it clear messages, messages so may, you may remember. Remember when? When, will, when? when does Allah mean that we have to remember this? وَيَوْمَ يُرْجَعُونَ إِلَيْهِ فَيُنَبِّئُهُمْ بِمَا عَمِلُوا وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ on the day when all are returned to him, he will tell them everything they have done. Ah, do you remember? Put both together. We don't have any, we've been like reading this for, for 10 weeks now. Nearly uh, three months. We're not in a hurry. Digest it like that. Okay, and then let's reflect on the whole surah. Don't think that you're leaving now. Give me five more minutes. Let's look at the surah. Summarize it. The first verse is an intro, an introduction to the surah. Second and third, laws about adultery and adulterers. Four to nine, laws about slanderers. Those who slander chaste women and those who accuse their own wives. Okay, you remember? 10 to 20, mainly about hypocrisy. It talks about the slander, the great slander that happened at the time of the prophet to Lady Aisha. Okay? So it mainly speaks about hypocrites and a little bit about strong believers and weak believers and those who fell into the spreading rumors and those who were, who were, who were uh, sober and they understood that they should not participate in this. 20 to 34, 
etiquettes and obligations of sexual discipline regarding dress code, hijab, aura, uh, private parts, entering houses, entering public places. This is from 20 to 34. Number 35, Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. And explaining the example of his light is like a niche. In it there's a lamp. The lamp is enclosed in a glass. Um, uh, the glass is like a shooting star. And the lamp is lit from a blessed tree, an olive tree, neither in the east nor in the west. You remember? Verses number 36 and 37 and 38 about strong believers who remember Allah and go to the mosques that Allah allowed to be risen. You remember, huh? 39 about non-believers and weak believers. Huh? Talks about those who see their deeds like a mirage. You remember the verse of the mirage. Number 40, the darkness verse. Darkness above darkness above darkness and, and above, the, uh, above the, 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 uh, the, the, the water, there is still a smoke. So even when you get your hand, you can't see it. Subhanallah. 41 talks about birds praising with their wings stretched about the creation. Now many verses, are a few verses talking about the creation of Allah and the dominion of the heavens and the earth. Verse number 43 about clouds, rain, hail, lightning. Verse number 44, alternation of night and day. Verse number 45, the creation from water. Snakes, people walking on two feet, and beasts who walk on four feet. 45, uh, 46, talking about the guidance in the verses of Allah. 47 to 54, on hypocrites, mainly. 55 to 56, the promise of Allah to the believers and encouraging them to, be, to have strong faith so that they can be successful and given victory. 57, talking to the believers about non-believers. Don't be deceived when you see non-believers strong and might. They cannot escape from Allah's punishment. 58 to 61, etiquettes and sexual discipline. 62 and 63, etiquettes with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 64, the knowledge of Allah of all our deeds and a reminder of the hereafter. So in the center of the surah, it is the human being. 19 verses about hypocrites, five verses about believers, two verses about unbelievers. This is like 35% of the surah about human beings, 30% about hypocrisy. So what is the message? What is the message? Don't fall in hypocrisy. Because some people think warning us from hypocrisy. That's true. It's also warning us from hypocrisy. But it's also warning us from becoming hypocrites. Be careful. Hypocrisy is far more dangerous than kufr. It's very rare when you find a Muslim committing kufr and leaving Islam. But so many Muslims are hypocrites actually. This is the real danger. Hypocrisy is far more dangerous than kufr itself. It is closer to us than kufr. Alhamdulillah. Who of us would think that there is no God? Who of us would think that Jesus is God? But many of us from outside look much better than themselves inside. Be careful. Allah, be careful. 
eight verses talk about laws and punishable crimes. 19 verses talk about halal and haram and etiquettes without punishable crime. It's not punishable in this life. Which means, don't be a hypocrite and only avoid what the government can punish you with. Stealing, fornicating, and stuff. No, there are also etiquettes about entering houses, entering public places, covering your aura, all these things that are not punishable in this life. You, should, you, you cannot become a perfect Muslim without it. Again, it's about also hypocrisy. Those who will abide only by the law, which uh, can put them in trouble if they commit, they will not. But anything that is not haram in this life, by the law, they will commit. No. If it's haram in Allah's sharia, then it's haram. Lying is haram. Don't lie. But if you lie, it's not punishable by law. You don't lie. Even if it's not punishable by the law. Hmm. Uh, I will end with a hadith of Prophet Muhammad. <coughs> talking about the importance of this book. Saying, Kitabullahi fihi naba'u ma kana qablakum wa khabaru ma ba'dakum wa hukmu ba baynakum huwa al-faslu laysa bil-hazl man tarakahu min jabbarin qasamahu Allah wa man ibtaga al-huda fi ghayrihi adallahu Allah wa huwa hablu Allah al-mateen wa huwa al-dhikru al-hakeem وهو الصراط المستقيم هو الذي لا تزيغ به الأهواء ولا تلتبس به الألسنة ولا يشبع منه العلماء ولا يخلق من كثرة الرد ولا تنقضي عجائبه Allah's book in it is news for what happened before you and information about what comes after you and judgment for what happens between you it is the criterion between right and wrong without jest Whoever among the oppressive abandons it, Allah crushes him. And whoever seeks guidance from other than it, then Allah leads him to stray. It is the firm rope of Allah, the rope of salvation. It is the wise remembrance. It is the straight path. It is the one that the desires cannot distort it, nor can tongues twist it nor can the scholars ever have enough of it. And it shall not become dull from reciting it much. And the amazement of it does not diminish. Jazakumullahu khayran and barakallahu feekum.